The galaxy far, far away is filled with some of the most evil, terrifying, menacing villains of all time. We're going to go through the top ten villains to figure out who's the baddest of the bad and the Sithiest of the Sith. I talk first, Poe. This is my show. Welcome back, everybody, to another week. And let's start your Monday off with a brand new episode of Han Talks First. And we're going to talk about the top ten villains of the Star Wars galaxy. This is one I'm really excited about. I am. Uh, I know a lot about my little Sithies, and um, we're really going to dive in deep and I might tell you some things you don't know about some of your favorite Darth characters. Um, before we get started, though, I do want to say that we are only sticking to the saga films. I mean, all the, the films. We're not going into TV shows or comics or anything like that. But I will have some honorable mentions for those that aren't in the movies and you know some that really deserve worth mentioning. So let's start off again with some jokes, because I really do like them. Um, so let's, let's, let's see here. Where do the Sith Lords do their shopping? The Darth Maul. What kind of coffee do Siths drink? Darth Roast. All right, let's see. What else do we have? Uh... What is a Sith Lord's favorite drink at the bar? A Palpatine. (laughs) That's funny. It's really cute. Um, And this one is probably my favorite. It's more of a story. But we got time. We got time. So Darth Vader decides that being a Sith Lord isn't lucrative enough. Too much money funneled into replacement Death Stars, Stormtrooper wages, and Empire taxes. So... He decides that in order to retire comfortably, he needs to find a steady, well-paid job. So he goes out and he tries his hand in baking, banking, and various other occupations, and finally he settles on a cab driver, because in order to save enough money for his retirement, he needed to become a tax evader. (laughs) Oh my god. I'm sorry if I'm making you cringe, guys, but you know what? These are hilarious, and... uh, it goes very well with my morning cup of coffee. So let's jump into some honorable mentions, shall we? I made a list here. I'm not going to cover everybody, so don't like you know freak out or anything. Um, but uh, I would like. I thought I thought of these, and I thought I would really like to mention them. So um, the first honorable mention is Thrawn. Uh, he does make appearances in modern-day canon, but it's not in the movies, unfortunately. He's in Rebels. Um, and, of course, he has his own book series by Timothy Zahn, which I really enjoy. I thoroughly enjoy. I'm going to do another giveaway. Where I'm going to give away one of those books, too. So stay tuned and uh, learn how you can uh, get involved in that giveaway and possibly get the book from me. Another one is Darth Bane, who's very important to... Sith lore. He 
created the rule of two, which was followed in all the episodical films up till up to today, uh, the current movies we have. Uh, let's see. Another one I wrote down was uh, Darth Revan, uh, another very important uh, character in Sith history, uh, right there with um, Bane uh, as far as a level of power and influence on uh, modern practices of the Sith, but just a very powerful character. Um, Mara Jade, we got a female in the ranks. Look at that. Mara Jade was the uh, personal assassin to Emperor Palpatine in the books following the Return of the Jedi. And she was also the love interest of Luke Skywalker. So a lot of people theorized she was going to be in Episode Nine. I seriously doubt that's going to happen. He, Luke could have a love interest, but definitely not going to be Mara Jade. But she's, she's a badass. Um, kind of goes from bad to good, um, but not really. She's kind of in the middle still, more of a gray area. A uh, bit of both, actually. Uh, towards the end of her journey, she's, she's not really good, nor is she bad anymore. But she started off as a bad baddie. And so that's why she gets an honorable mention. And uh, some other ones that aren't as high up there in the ranks are General Hux, who we know from the current sequel trilogy, and two I have from the prequels. I have Sebulba and Watto, both from The Phantom Menace, Episode 1. I think they're important. I really do. Sebulba was the one that was... um, the antagonist in the pod race. You guys remember he had those weird little um, tentacle things on his face, and and he he was like had that weird voice. I'm not even gonna try to do it. It's uh, I can't do it. But um, yeah, I really liked him. I thought he was important because it really he he was going up against Anison Anakin, and was probably like a main influence as what a bad person is in the world since he didn't leave much of Tatooine, and it was Sebulba. Who was there? He was a cheater. He was a liar, um, and he was tactical. Um, he was also pushy. He was abusive to the people around him and didn't care. So I think that, in some ways, influenced Anakin to become a bad person. But we'll get more into Anakin later. But uh, I think Sebulba is important to mention, along with Watto, because he was another influence in young Anakin's life. And when you're a child, that's when um, things mo- most impact you because you're developing, you're growing. And Watto was his owner because if you remember, Anakin was a slave, owned his mother, therefore her child, Anakin. And Watto, kind of the same thing. He was uh, very greedy. Um, You know, he he liked only money. And um, I think that affected Anakin, you know, and also... We didn't see it, but I'm sure he was abusive too and very hurtful and uh, contributed to some of Anakin's dark side tendencies. So that's that's really all I want to say for honorable mentions. There's so many more people out there, but for now, that's that's all I'm going to say. And we're going to dive into the top ten. Okay, so first on the list in spot number ten is... Orson Krennic 
from Rogue One. Now, as you know, he was the director for the advanced weapons research uh, part of the Empire. And he, uh, the director for the construction of the Death Star. Him and many other leaders of the Imperial Army were played very important roles in the construction of the superweapon. Orson Krennic being one of them. He was a little obsessed. Um, his title also did go as far as admirable in military ranking. And... At his demise was when the Rebellion was exploiting the plans of his Death Star, which was to be his life's work. Um, so why I think he deserves the number 10 spot is because of his really strong passion to create a weapon of such mass destruction. It has a Hitler vibe. That was that's like something Hitler would want to do, and I th I think it's fitting because the Empire, during the times of the original trilogy, was very symbolic of the Nazi regime. Some background of him that really drove to his obsession was he was actually. Uh, a big influencer to the Geonosians on creating the plans for the Death Star. The Geonosians were those little uh, cockroach uh, termite creatures we saw in Attack of the Clones, the ones where, in that place where um, the Clone Wars began, the Battle of Geonosis. And... The the main guy, the guy who had like the really long beard and walked with a cane, the Geonosian, uh, his name was Proggle. And Proggle, along with his hive of Geonosians, were prisoners to the Republic. A lot of people don't know that, but they weren't they weren't a part of the Republic. They were they were um, part of them were held as prisoners because they they were on on the border of being. Uh, part of the separatists, but they weren't with the separatists. They were their own thing. But anyway, they were. He was. Proggle was influenced by Orson Krennic to use the Geonosians technology and knowledge to help construct plans for the creation of the Death Star, because the Geonosians had the tech and the understanding of the kind of weaponizing technology you would need to make that kind of that kind of structure. So I think that's interesting. And along with that um influence he had over them, it also he was also obsessed with um kyber crystals, which played an important role in weaponizing of the Death Star. And back to that uh Nazi comparison, it is very similar to Hitler because Hitler was a very influential man and that's how he was able to convince people to join his military and therefore take over the uh, Germany that way in other places. And um, a lot of people have said, and you read in history, is that he was a very influential speaker and a very good spokesman and was just able to grasp people's attention. And that's the vibe I get from Orson Krennic, to be able to influence the whole Geonosian army 
that, hey, if you come with me, I will not only give you your freedom away from the Republic, but we will create a weapon to destroy them, so therefore you've never become a prisoner again. Eventually, he did, or they did, go away from the Geonosians and found other resources, but they used them for their plans, which is even more evil than getting them to build it. They used them for their tech and knowledge and then went away. It's pretty badass if you ask me. So that's it for number 10, Orson Krennic. Number 9 is a, of a classic, um, an infamous evil bounty hunter by the name of Boba Fett. He made his debut in The Empire Strikes Back, and he was very he was popularized because of the way he looked. He was one of the coolest characters anyone had ever seen before. And um, later on, uh, we got into the uh, origins of the armor, and it turned out to be Mandalorian armor. Um, Boba Fett's at number nine because, well, he's so, um, he's so far down on the ranks because he's not a force user, unfortunately. But how cool would that be if he was a force user? But um, we all know Boba Fett is the son and clone of Jango Fett from the prequel trilogy. A fun little fact, Jango, the name, is derived from the classic Jango character from Westerns who was a bounty hunter from back in the 60s. And a lot of people know it today from the Jamie Foxx version, but it was actually in a really old franchise and a popular name to put in a Western movie if one of your characters was a bounty hunter. So that's where the name came from. It's kind of a cool tie-in. But um, Boba Fett had a hard childhood. You know, he was a clone, so you kind of have that uh, search for, I guess, individuality, which is pretty difficult. While he was... Um, had an altered gene so he could age normally and uh, act more human. Uh, he still looked like all of his clone brothers, so I'm sure that was difficult. But also growing up with a father who was relatively evil had some influence on him. And when his dad died by the hand of Mace Windu in Attack of the Clones... He that's that's really what did it for him, I think. So he was not only trained by Django, who was a very skilled bounty hunter, but after that, he kind of went underground and started learning from other bounty hunters and evil street guys, like more about crime and theft and stuff like that. And actually, in the Clone Wars, he actually went after Mace Windu for vengeance. Um, the episode was called Quest for Vengeance, and that was a really cool uh, segment of that series. I highly recommend going to watch it. But um, not only that, he also fought with Obi-Wan, and both of them had big things to do with Jango's ultimate demise in the movies. But Boba eventually came out of that too, and from there he went down to the underworld cr crime world again. And he actually joined a syndicate called Crate's Claw. And it's a that's a Tatooine-based bounty hunter clan. And that's how he eventually uh, 
intertwined with the Han Solo again and became involved with Jabba the Hutt and all this other kind of stuff. So I put Boba Fett on here because he has such a rich history and he's very popular with the fan base. And of course he has a good story. Like he, after taking his dad's armor and customizing it for himself, he actually started adopting some of Mandalorian culture as his own religion and following their practices and fighting styles and stuff like that. If, if he were to go to Mandalore, I do believe he would have been able to wield the black, the dark saber and become the king of Mandalore. But he went other directions and decided to be more independent, which I think is very interesting because he started off as a clone. Therefore, his arc kind of completed itself. He became a completely solely independent and lived his life all by himself. So let's move on to number eight. Number eight, another classic. It is Grand Moff Tarkin. Um, a lot of people don't know his first name, but I do. It is Wilhuff. Wilhuff Tarkin. I bet he got made fun of so much. It sounds like a uh, Sesame Street character. Best friends with Snuffleupagus. But we all know Grand Moff Tarkin. He was the governor of the Oversectors. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, it was a group of star sectors that were... Mm, they showed signs of unsatisfaction to the rule of the Empire. So his primary job was to kind of force them into obeying. And he was very close with... Emperor Palpatine, not only during the Empire, but also the Republic. And actually, Tarkin is the main reason why we got the Death Star. He was the main influence to Palpatine, pushing him to get that project underway. I don't know why Palpatine wasn't, was a little hesitant, maybe because of the expense of doing something or keeping it hidden as a secret project. But Tarkin is the one who manifested it all and made it so that it could operate without being detected and uh, putting all the pieces together and ordering all the people. So I think that's really cool, and that's why he's on this list as most evil. Uh, Just a fun fact, uh, he was played by Peter Cushing, and Peter Cushing actually was considering playing the role of Obi-Wan in A New Hope. Um, It wasn't until his friend Alec Guinness came along and he, the role was actually given into him. But imagine if Alec didn't want to do it. Obi-Wan would have been played by Peter Cushing. And that would have been, that would have changed everything. Not only for the original trilogy, but for the prequel as well, because Obi-Wan was a huge character in those movies. Can you imagine the cl- like the Clone Wars or uh, Phantom Menace or Revenge of the Sith without Ewan McGregor? <laughs> I can't. He's like my, one of my favorite parts of the prequels. And of his own spinoff that is coming out soon. Sorry, guys. It's not a fact. Just say it now. That is what I hope. Definitely not a fact. Don't take that as like uh, a yes. I I don't know if it's happening. I'm sure it is, but I want it to. Anyway, so Tarkin's number eight. 
Let's move on to number seven. Let me have a swig of some coffee. Just give me a second. Oh, yeah. Enjoying my Darth roast this morning as we talk about our Sith ancestry. So number seven goes to Jabba the Hutt, or by his official name, Jabba de Seju Ture of Narhutta, Eminence of Tatooine. I didn't just make that up. That's his actual name. That's like his legit name. Uh, fun fact, he's like 600 years old. He is a crime lord and a gangster, and he operates the underworld of the Outer Rim. And uh, he was pretty much the guy. He controlled everything. Uh, pretty badass. And um, obviously a big character in Revenge of the Sith. And he made an appearance in Phantom Menace, but that really isn't important. He just watched a game. Um but uh, apparently he was based off, oh, I can't remember who he was based off of. It was like Orson Welles and like a pug or something, something like that. I don't remember. But uh, Jabba the Hutt, Pizza the Hutt, whatever you want to call him. He's on this list because of his importance in Return of the Jedi. You know, he, he was obsessed with finding Han Solo. Han Solo having the connection with Luke and the whole story makes Jabba just as important. Or Yabba, as uh, that guy from Rogue One would say, Cassian Endor. Yabba, the texture of Yabba. I must know the texture of Yabba. Um, <laughs> he actually says it like that. If you go watch interviews of uh, the guy who plays Cassian Endor, like from the press junkets, he, it's so funny. He says it like, Yabba. But... um. Yeah, just I, he deserves to be on this list. I really don't have anything else to say about him. Uh, fun fact is his son, Rada the Hut, is actually rumored to be in uh, episode nine. I think that would be cool, actually, if we got like an actual puppet. He was very cringy in the Clone Wars series. Uh, I did also think it was funny that Ahsoka is the one that found him when he was lost and dubbed him Stinky <laughs> because he smelled really bad. Oh, also... Uh, Jabba the Hutt was actually, it wasn't originally a slug and he did have a first appearance in A New Hope, but it was cut because the scene didn't really make sense for the story at the time. But, um, he was originally supposed to be played by a human, a humanoid guy. Um, and he was also Scottish. Uh, go on to YouTube and look for Jabba the Hutt deleted scene, A New Hope, and you can see it. It's just as cringy as the remastered special edition version where they put in a crappy looking job of the hut. <laughs> uh, honestly, it would have been less trashy if they left it with the Scottish guy. Us Star Wars fans would have accepted it and it would make, make sense and we would have moved on and it <laughs> seriously wouldn't have been as much of a problem as them putting in that really bad cartoonish version of Jabba the Hutt. And for those of you who don't have the special edition and have the original, you're lucky. You don't have to look at that. It gave me nightmares. Anyway, Jabba the Hutt, number seven. Let's go on to number six, which is, ah, uh, this one kind of hurts for me to say because I don't really want him to be on the list, but I'm trying to do this from an unbiased perspective. I'm honestly trying to rank it by power and 
evilness and uh, I, I, I put Kylo. <laughs> Kylo Ren's number six. I'm so sorry for anyone that hates Kylo Ren. I don't hate Kylo Ren. I just really don't see him as a threat. I've said that before, and I'll say it till the end of time. Kylo Ren does not threaten me. He's just a big old crybaby. Honestly, we haven't seen that much force power from him, if you think about it. But I guess for the place in time that the sequel trilogy takes place, he is a badass and uh, a scary evil one at that. Um, He's the master of the Knights of Ren. I still don't know what that means, but... (laughs) He, he's he's classically trained in the Jedi arts, and he also identifies as a Sith, I think. I don't know. I mean, the Sith Order really doesn't exist in the sequel trilogy because the Sith died. So I guess he's a new thing. The Wrens? Knights of Wren? A Knight of Wren? I don't know. But um, he is an apprentice of Snoke. And I thought it's funny how... Um, Star Wars is about like prophecies and destinies and fulfill, fulfillment of those things. And his destiny was to strike down his true enemy and his training's complete, right? That's what Snoke said. And then he killed Snoke. So that means Kylo's destiny is complete, which is another reason why I said this before too. I don't want him to be redeemed in Star Wars Episode Nine because it just doesn't make sense. His destiny was technically fulfilled. And therefore, he, ah, there's nowhere he can go. I just want him to die. <laughs> Not because I'm a dick, but I think that's the most satisfactory ending, especially for Rey. That's her ultimate goal, is not only find out who she is, but to kill anyone that gets in her way, especially if they're evil, or which could have something to do with the disappearance of her parents. So I think that's interesting. A little bit of background about him. For those of you who are just interested in me talking about it, it's Ben Solo, son of Han and Leia. Um, the name came from Obi-Wan. And um, he, after he betrayed Luke Skywalker and destroyed the temple and brought on some pupils to, I guess, start his new order of the Knights of Ren. Uh, he went to the outer regions, and that's where he met Snoke. And the cr- the crew that was left over from the Empire, the Imperial Army, and that's how the First Order became. They all kind of met each other coincidentally in the Outer Rim and started this movement. Another one of my theories is that Kylo was starting at first, and then Snoke came in, but because he was a more powerful being... He took over, and which could be another contribution to why Kylo Ren is so angry all the time. And maybe it didn't go according to his plan. Like, maybe Snoke, or maybe Kylo actually had good intentions when going into it. Like, because he thought Luke was going to kill him and he was evil, he wanted to go and try to do the thing that he thought was right. And when he tried to start, Snoke came in, overthrew it, took over, made it evil, and it wasn't going the way he wanted Kylo wanted, so he just got really fucking pissed off, and <laughs> that's what made him evil and just fucked with his mind, you know, because he's, he's, he's a psychopath now. But anyway, that's Kylo Ren. And of course, following that would be Snoke. 
I've I've really said everything I can say about Snoke in a previous episode. So if you guys are interested in hearing more about that, go check it out. It's uh, the May the 4th episode, and it's my Snoke theory. I discuss everything you would ever want to know about Snoke and why he's important, um, where he's from, who his daddy is, and what he did. Um, Yeah, so he's the leader of the First Order. That's really all I'm going to say about that, and he's a very Force-sensitive being um basically the bottom line of my theory in the previous video was that snoke is from a part of the galaxy where people don't train to use the force they are just born with that ability in a way they are the force because in the galaxy we know the charted regions the force is known as like this um this energy field, you know, and everyone's got to learn to use it and be one with it. But in the outer rim, my theory is that people there just, it's an innate behavior and they know how to use it. And it's just a part of them already. And they use it in everyday life. So it's kind of where I think Snoke's from and how he's so powerful, but he's not as powerful as our fourth contender. Count Dooku, a.k.a. Darth Tyrannus. Um, this guy's just really cool, man. He's, he's like, the reason he's number four is because he is a Jedi Master, he is a Sith, he is a Count, and he is a Darth. That's a lot of titles. This guy's dedicated his entire life to studying just ways to be a badass force user. Uh, there's no other way to put it. He's politically minded. He's very tactical. And uh, his major form of lightsaber battles is form two, which is also why he has the curved hilt of his lightsaber. It was a, it was a standard lightsaber to have if you are um, versed in form two of lightsaber combat. The curve of the hilt allows for it to fit better into his hand and allows for superior finessing and precise blade control because of the form. Um, A lot of people didn't use that, so it's a very rare form. And because of that, I think that makes it more powerful because you have to really take time to master that form. Um, He was also trained by Yoda, Yoda's the most powerful Jedi we know. But not only was he trained by Yoda, he was trained by Palpatine, the, like another strong Force user. So he was trained by two of the most powerful people we know, and he also studied independently. So all of these are reasons for why I think he deserves the number four spot. Uh, he was also able to use Force Lightning. We never saw Darth Vader use Force Lightning. Um, and he was uh, the trainer for Qui-Gon Jinn and, and General Grievous. Um, he trained both of them. And you, you must have to be really talented to train a guy with four arms, lightsaber dueling. So it's another thing. And Qui-Gon Jinn was really powerful too. So... That just shows how 
strong and talented his master was. Uh, one thing I do want to point out about Count Dooku is, this is what I think. I think he was a coward. I think that's one of the things that makes him really interesting. He was always running away from things. Uh, he ran away from Yoda in Attack of the Clones. He ran away from the Night Sisters in the Clone Wars series. Ran away from Darth Maul. He was run away from Jedi countless times. He's always running away from his problems. Um, and he's just a coward. And he gets other people to fight for him, such as General Grievous and Darth Maul. Um, oh, sorry, not Darth Maul. Um, no, maybe it was Darth Maul. I can't remember. Remind me if I'm wrong, guys. But um, I think that's one of the things that makes him an interesting character. But that's also why he's number four and not higher in the ranks, because he is a coward, a little biatch. Um, a fun fact about Count Dooku, he is a <laughs> a wine connoisseur. Loves wine. Drinks it all the time. Maybe that's one of the main reasons he, why he wanted a red saber. Because it reminded him of a nice glass of wine. Uh, this is also really funny. Dooku, in the Portuguese language, means <laughs> from the ass. <laughs> <coughs> oh my god. <laughs> and so because of that, in the movies and in the novels and stuff, in Brazil, they changed this name from Count Duku to Count Dukan because Duku means of the ass. <laughs> I just think that's hilarious. I forgot where I saw that, but that's so funny. So anyway, that's Count Duku. But Count Duku is nowhere near as powerful as our number three... Darth Maul. That's right, Darth Maul. We all love us some Darth, insidious-looking, horny-looking badass. Darth Maul is a Malachorian? I don't know the actual technical name of his species, but I do know he's from Malachor, that awesome planet that is home to a very famous Sith temple. It's Malachor is very similar to Korriban, the uh, original home of the Sith. Uh, oh, there's so many reasons why I think Darth Maul is so cool. First of all, he's the main baddie in the Phantom Menace, aside from Darth Sidious, but he was kind of unrevealed at the time. But Darth Maul, um, he, does, he doesn't say much. And he, he, but he does a lot. And I think that's what makes him a very interesting character. Um, another reason why I think he's very interesting is because of the planet he's from, which has its very strict, unconventional ideals of society. For example, uh, the planet is ruled by women who are all witches on Malachor. And they're known as the Night Sisters, and they perform Sith alchemy or witchcraft. And they're they're also very powerful with the Force. Whereas the men are um, kind of seen as the slaves of this planet, and they are separated by sex. On one side of the planet is where the women live, and on the other side is where the men live. 
the men are slaves to the women and the women kind of pick their champions to uh, carry out their deeds that they don't want to do themselves. So the, the dirty work, for example. Uh, I just love that um, uh, that history, that lore there. I think it's really cool. Um, so Darth Maul was taken from this planet because he was uh, disfigured and uh, outcast to the rest of the men on Malachor because he was had that red skin tone while other members of his species are orange with black stripes so he he wasn't a normal uh a normal guy from Malachor uh so i think that's really cool history of him too but he was taken by palpatine and offered salvation but in return he had to be his apprentice and uh, learn the ways of the Force and do his as every bidding, and he did. And because of that, he became the Darth villain we know uh, today. Um, and even after getting cut in half by Qui Gon Jinn, I'm sorry, Obi Wan Kenobi. Wow, wow! <laughs> after being cut in half by Obi Wan Kenobi, he still pursued uh, life. He was just that evil just consumes him and he, cause what happened was when he got chopped in half, he fell down that wind shaft and he was shot out into like a trash chute. And from there transported to the trash planet in the outer rim. There's like a huge planet where all the trash goes in the whole galaxy. And so that's where he was thrown out to where he then found, uh, he, crafted spider legs from all the trash debris and became this spider human hybrid which is really cool you can watch all this in the clone wars and he had a pet snake that was his his uh his serpent like how voldemort had a snake it was just really cool um from there uh he was brought back to malachor and the night sisters gave him real mechanical legs so he looked relatively normal but that gave him lower body strength so he became powerful that way but through all of this his hatred and anger uh is what drove his power and of course his vengeance for obi-wan kenobi which he pursued the latter half of his life and probably most of his life which ultimately ended in his demise when obi-wan finally killed him back on Tatooine. He's just got such an interesting history, and he's really powerful. He also went back after Palpatine. Uh, Palpatine, of course, shot him down, because Palpatine is a numero uno badass. Um, But yeah, Darth Maul, number three. Totally awesome villain. Uh, One of my favorite, like, toy characters to get as a kid. And even today, probably the best part of Phantom Menace. That last 15, 20 minutes with him, the Duel of Fates, um, absolutely incredible. Uh, And of course, his cameo in Solo, we can't forget that. So now you understand why he appeared in Solo, because of what I just told you. I would love to see more. I doubt they'll do it. We really don't need it. We got everything we needed in the animated shows. If you bring him into it now, I really can only see him... Maybe having a crime 
uh, crime movie because after after um after the events of uh him getting his legs back and the mechanical legs back and stuff he he actually went to go rule the underground uh crime system and uh that's why he was in solo um during that time he was also pursuing uh Obi-Wan Kenobi um fun fact he was also the king of Mandalore at one time because he invaded and he got hold of the black saber so he has two weapons he has the black saber and he had the dual dual-ended lightsaber um just a very talented duelist very powerful being force sensitive um driven by hatred number three darth maul number two we got two more spots guys so where do you think i'm gonna go with this okay go ahead place your bets now for number two and number one because I think it's pretty obvious, but at the same time, I could trip you up. So here we go. Number two is Darth Father. That's right, Darth Vader. Vader was like a a homonym for Father. Uh, that's why George Lucas named him that. Is Darth Darth Father, Darth Vader. Um, but Darth Vader uh, is number two. Which I guess you could also say is Anakin Skywalker. Some people might disagree with me, but I kind of put them together. So Darth Vader, he's, some would argue he's not as powerful as, say, Count Dooku or Maul. But again, that driving force of hatred, and uh, that's really what makes him more powerful because of the things he's willing to do to go out of his way to get what he wants. Yet he's still under control. All of these people in every rank is under control of somebody. That's why they're placed where they are. So he's not the top at the top, but he has control over everybody else. Darth Vader, we all, we know everything about him. Uh, I mean, I don't know what more I could tell you that I mean, you don't already know because he's one of the most recognizable uh, villains in modern history. Um, I could mention his armor is made from obsidian uh, crystals from uh, Musafar, which was uh, like pieces of rock there, which was said to have... Uh, bring good luck to those who used it. And he made his whole entire, or Palpatine made his whole entire armor out of it. I think that was really cool. He probably did that because he lost all his limbs and he was, he needed some way to sustain life. So he gave him that obsidian, uh, diamonds, uh, those black diamonds, which was what Snoke went after, uh, when he went hunting through, uh, his castle in Mustafar. Um, he's part man, part machine, but uh, he can eat and he can poop, guys. Something you should know. It was addressed in uh, some uh, books. I think it was uh, Rise of Darth Vader or Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader, whatever that was called. Um, but he does have full control over all of his limbs, even though they are um, mechanical. 
Um, he's got superhuman strength, not only from the mechanics of his uh, being, but because he's a Force-sensitive, one of the most Force-sensitive beings in all of existence because he was born of the Force, no father. Um, very heavily involved with Sith alchemy. You know, he hunted for Sith holocrons and relics and uh, similar to Palpatine. Um, but he was constantly learning about the Sith history and mm, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, he used the mask to breathe properly. Uh, it also gave him neurotoxin for uh, his pain. He was constantly in pain. Darth Vader, because... Uh, because of the uh, because of the condition he was in when he lost his limbs and lost to Obi Wan Kenobi on the Battle of Mustafar, he uh, was constantly in pain from the burns, uh, just just everything. Um, and so his his suit kind of helped him to deal with the pain and the neurotoxin helped with that. There's a theory out there. I think it was star Wars theory said that Darth Vader, uh, his suit was made for him to constantly be in pain. In addition to that, um, because that would contribute to his anger. Therefore Palpatine could control him more. The more angrier he was, the more seduced he could be. Uh, so I think that's interesting too. A fun fact about his condition and his suit and everything. Darth Vader could not sleep. He's unable to sleep in the shoot in the shoot in the suit. Um, I think that's really cool. Uh, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of terrifying in itself. It. Um, I mean, just just think if you if you couldn't sleep, that would that would kind of drive you crazy, right? It's probably what contributes to all of his evil behavior. Uh, he also had ear implants, um, and even with that, his uh, his uh, his hearing was still bad. I read that somewhere too. I can't remember what it was. Um, but something interesting about him was he was constantly getting upgrades because he had a uh, disability where he was uncomfortable with the limbs that he had, so he would purposefully lose parts of his body so he can have them replaced and upgraded constantly. It was kind of another obsession of his. There's a comic where uh, this nurse falls madly in love with him. And uh, because he constantly uh, comes into the um, uh, recovery bay, and uh, so that kind of explains that he's, he's just obsessed with like upgrading himself and stuff like that. But even so, he has limitations, you know. he's He can't use force lightning. I think that's because he has no flesh in the fingertips, uh, fingertips and stuff. I think to be able to use that power, you have to have that lightning course through your entire body. So maybe that's why he can't use it. Um, a lot of people would argue with me that he should be number one because eventually he did overthrow Palpatine. Literally, <laughs> threw him over the the railing. Um, but uh, I don't know. I still think if Palpatine wasn't caught off guard, he he would he would be dead. But another reason why he couldn't be at number two is because he eventually redeemed himself at the end of Return of the Jedi. 
So, uh, but that's my opinion. Um, and he's also just so iconic. So number two, Darth Vader. But anyway, what you all came here for, number one, here we go. The most badass villain of Star Wars, the most evil, the most tempting, the most diabolical. Drum roll, please. The number one most evil villain in Star Wars is Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Is Palpatine. I said Jar Jar because of that, that stupid theory where Jar Jar Binks was a Sith Lord behind everything the entire time. I'm not going to get into that, but if you want to hear about it, just Google it. Kind of makes sense, but no, Palpatine's number one. And he's number one because of his, this game he's been playing through every single trilogy. He's the baddest of the bad. He's always been the puppet master behind every movie. I say that because of the trailer we got for episode nine, obviously. He's going to play some role in episode nine. Why would he come back if he wasn't important and or all-powerful? His master was Darth Plagueis. He learned uh, how to cheat death, and he taught it to his apprentice, and his apprentice killed him. He learned everything he knew from one of the most powerful Sith Lords and obtained it for himself. He was tactical in his uh, combat, but also his uh, political moves. He was able to trick the entire Republic and create this new empire behind their backs by pulling strings and tempting people such as Princess Amidala and uh, abusing his rise into the Senate and manipulating people to get there and just overthrow it and have Jar Jar Binks give him those unlimited powers and then not uh, surrendering them when the time came to be for him to do that. It was just... It's so... Ah, it's amazing how he did it. I mean, people give shit for the prequels, but it was all really his story in the background. And that's how the Empire came to be. They had control of the banking clan, so they literally controlled the galaxy. He literally controlled the galaxy, guys. That's a powerful man right there. And he deserves the number one spot. I am so excited to see how he comes into play in... The Rise of Skywalker. I've given my theory on that in my uh, trailer breakdown, so go listen to that episode if you want to learn the details of it. And um, I've also given it in my episode on Star Wars Episode Nine Speculation, so check that out too. But guys, he's he's coming back in Episode Nine. He's going to put his fist down, or put his foot down, and... He's going to make noise, I'm telling you. Um, so, guys, tell me tell me what you thought about this top ten list. And what ideas our top ten Star Wars should be right. But I want to hear What did I get right? What did I get wrong? What are some other honorable mentions? There's tons of other villains out there. Tons I didn't get their name yet. Um... I saw this one somewhere where it was like the real villain of Star Wars is Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> I'm not agreeing with you at all. I just think it's funny. 
Um, but yeah, uh, the villains of Star Wars are all kind of iconic and have their own really great stories. I'm excited to see what new villains we get in uh, the later movies. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned Dragon Boss as an honorable mention, but he was a uh, villain in um, Solo. He's, he's kind of cool, I guess. Uh, he was under the command of Dark Maul. But uh, that's my list. Let's go over it again so you guys, it's fresh in your mind. Uh, number 10 was Orson Krennic. Number 9 was Boba Fett. Number 8 was Grand Moff Tarkin. Uh, number 7 was Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hoot. Number 6 was... Ah, still cringy to say. It was Kylo Ren. Number 5 was the Snoopy Snoke, the playboy billionaire of the galaxy. Number 4 was Count Dooku. Number... Uh, Three was Darth Maul. Number two was Darth Vader, Sasha Anakin. And number one was Emperor Palpatine. Oh, another honorable mention, General Grievous. Uh, he's a villain. Uh, he's pretty cool, too. He controlled the, he controlled the whole uh, droid army. That's pretty uh, worth mentioning. But, yeah, uh, tell me yours, guys. What's your favorite villain? Uh, mine's definitely Palpatine. Um, that's not why I put him as number one. But he is my favorite villain of Star Wars. And, yeah, uh, we'll do a top ten heroes list uh, one of these days in one of these episodes. Uh, tell me which ones you would like to see mentioned. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. This was Han Talks First. We'll be back next week with another brand new episode of Han Talks First, all about Star Wars. May the Force be with you.